All right, everybody, it's bonus time. Coach Miranda Proctor and Charles Proctor run the CoachProctorFoundation.org. Go check them out. They host a coaches roundtable in the great state of South Carolina back in December where they discussed many amazing topics, including training the jumps, training the throws, health and wellness. And today I wanted to share with you Miranda Proctor's topic of NCAA and recruiting. Coach Proctor is the director of female strength and conditioning at Richland Northeast High School. It's a little hard to hear. You're going to have to turn it up, but I think there's a lot of value for your program this year in 2024 and beyond. Enjoy this bonus content, and thank you to the Proctors for sharing it with our audience. Track and field world, UNL tuned in. To our humble servant, Mike Cunningham, for another extraordinary message on Gill Athletics Connections. All right, so some of the stuff uh, um, Coach Langford already kind of touched on, so. Again, I'm going to rope my college corner coaches to chime in whenever they want to about NCAA and anything that you found along the way. So some of my background includes uh, I started off my coaching career at Lower Richland, um, helping out with, uh, with their program and being a middle school coach at, um, at Hopkins Middle Forum for a minute. Never anticipated that I was going to be teaching middle school at all. Like, it's a special place for people who teach middle school, right? Thank you. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Five years I did it. Didn't expect to even be teaching for a year. This was just something I got roped into at South Carolina State because my mom went there, and she was like, look, be a teacher. You're going to get a job. And she, she didn't lie. I graduated on December 12th. My interview December 14th. I started December 15th. So, <laughs> so yeah, got roped in right away, stayed, and really loved that community, really loved coaching athletes. But it really taught me how to coach because you really have to break it down very simply for them, especially if they've never done the sport before. Um, so then transitioned to coaching at AC Floor. I was there for three years. And then I moved to Keenan, which I was assistant coach there and uh, with jumps and um, and then I moved into the athletic director role. While I was at AC Floor, that's when uh, I really got introduced to really knowing the process of NCAA eligibility and how important it is for our athletes to be knowledgeable of it. Uh, fortunately, where I went to school at at Sumter High School, um, we had somebody in place that was over the athletes that told us about this from the like from junior year, the beginning of your junior year. They told you what you needed to do. They broke it down step by step. They communicated with you. They walked you through every step. Every school is not fortunate to have that. Every school is not fortunate to have that. Every school is not fortunate to have guidance counselors in place that know our athletes and know that they need to have certain courses at certain times. So that's why as a coach, it's very important for you to have a good relationship with the guidance counselors to understand you know, this is an athlete, especially who an athlete that has the trajectory of going Division One, because there, is, there are higher standards for them than it is for other qualifying schools. And you don't want a kid that has the talent to go Division One have to go at a lower tier simply because the school did not 
you know, put the kid in the best position to get there. So that's kind of what we're going to go over now. Um, when I became an athletic director at Keenan, I was much more involved in the process. It changes, the rules changes, COVID changed it a lot, and we're going to talk about that. COVID, COVID changed the game a lot in terms of um, qualifying standards for each division, but, um, but now that we're getting kind of out of COVID, you know, um, a lot of kids think that some of those same standards match, and they, they're, they're going back to what kind of what they used to, except for this, uh, the SAT and the ACT, and we're going to talk about that. So this is the presentation that I show um, my uh, kids. Um, so it kind of is going to look like I'm talking to kids, but it's still relevant. All right, so first thing I ask the kids is, um, do you even want to be a collegiate athlete? Because being a college athlete is not for everybody, <coughs> right? Um, according to the NCAA, nearly 8 million students currently participate in high school athletics in the United States. More than 480,000 compete as NCAA athletes, and just a select few within the sport move on. Um, my husband talked about the Power Five athletes, but if you just think about it on the grand scheme of things for the last couple of years you've been coaching, think about how many kids you have on your team and how many kids actually go on to college. We're talking about D2, D1, JUCO, whatever. Just think about that, all right? And so I tell the kids see it, so they think, oh, everybody can get a scholarship, but that's not the case, all right? Um, some people can't handle the, the workload that comes with it, too. So this is a, a screenshot of something I saw on Twitter, and they were talking about football, but it is kind of relevant to what the schedule is like on the college level. You know, getting up early, going to strength conditioning. I know when I was an uh, athlete at South Carolina State, I always chose the 6 o'clock wait time because I did not want to go in the weight room after practice. So I chose the 6 I was, and I hate getting up in the morning. But I was like, I'd rather go ahead and get it out of the way and be early to my 8 o'clock class by, by going there. But I had to, it was a sacrifice. I had to go to bed and get up early so that I could be at the weight room. And um, we had a weight coach. Coach Allen, he had a rule. It was um, if you weren't, if you were late, he'd lock you out, and he'd give you the GTFO card, which is get the fuck out, <laughs> and uh, make you leave. So, um, so then I go to. We had breakfast. Of course, you needed to eat. I wasn't really a breakfast person, but that was the thing I had to do. Um, going to class, going to study hall. We all know the qualification. Qualification when you get into um, school that you have is mandatory study hall. So it's not like high school. Some when I was in Richland one, they required. You to go to study hall, I haven't, I, this is my first year in Richland too, so I haven't really seen the requirement of going to study hall, but in Richland 1, it was definitely a thing that the kids had to log in a certain amount of hours for study hall. And I told them, well, this is what it's going to be like in college too. You have to log in a certain amount of hours to study hall to make sure you keep your GPA up to be eligible. Um, getting tape, going to get treatment, going to practice, making sure you have dinner. You might have another study group or study hall that you need to go to. There were times to meet my hours. I had to go to study hall after practice too, so I could meet my hours for the week. So I'd let kids see a snapshot of this schedule so they understand that it's not just the glitz, the glamour, and post the graphic on social media. Like it's more work after that, right? Um, so when Coach Langford talked about Smiley, and I had the the pleasure of coaching Smiley too at, when I was at Keenan, and this is us on graduation day at uh, for at Keenan, and you know this was the screenshot of what he posted. We graduated from OU yesterday, so um, for me, like I love to see the kids progress and use their talents to help compete on the next level. But graduation is the goal. So to see, you know, we did our job with this. He was able to go to school, um, able to do what he loved, and also able to get a degree out of it. And now he's gonna go and use his last year at High Point to get his also master's paid for. So that's the goal of it. If we can get kids in a position to, to, to get right here, that, that's awesome and we've done our job. 
All right, um, so academics first. So I preach this all the time to the kids. You know, we say it all the time, student, athlete, student comes before athlete, but you have to really pound it into them if they're one, wanting to go on to the NCAA level, you know, of competition. So I tell them all the time with their teachers to have a good working communication with their teachers, right? Um, they Sometimes they come to me and they're like, can you talk to so-and-so? No, I can't because you, you can't pack me up in your suitcase and go to college with you to talk to your professor about it. You have to be able to open up your mouth and advocate for yourself. So ask questions, attend tutoring if you don't understand something, or seek a private tutor if you you know, you know don't understand something. Like get, get the help and don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes our kids are reluctant to ask for help. Um, having a good relationship with their guidance counselors. They all go, and guidance counselors, I know y'all correct me if I'm wrong about something or add in anything when you, if y'all if need to. Um, so guidance, having a good working relationship with their guidance counselors, they go to their IGP meetings every year to get their schedule done. They need to advocate for themselves and say, hey, I am an athlete that wants to do this after school. So that the guidance counselor then has an understanding of what, because all of them are supposed to be trained on this, so they know what core courses they're supposed to be taking. And we're gonna talk about the 16 core courses. And this is also a handout in your um, um, notebooks. And I got this straight off the NCAA website. All these resources, everything that I printed in there is straight off the website, yes. And as a school counselor, too, um, a lot of times the kids these days, they do a lot of credit recovery. Like yes. Just knowing that if you have an athlete, they don't need to do virtual SC um, because those aren't NCAA courses, courses. eligible uh, once they retake that for virtual SC in South Carolina. Right. That is a very good point because I found that when I was at Keenan, running into certain athletes, they had taken those SC virtual courses and those were not approved NCAA courses. But the, that's not explained to them when they enroll in the course. So you, that's that's important, yes. So are you saying that virtual SC course is not approved if it's just for credit recovery? If it's an initial course, it is. Okay. Um, if it's credit recovery, it's not. But a lot of times for your school, you can also go on the NCAA, you can type in like NCAA courses. Um, every school is in the NCAA system and you can see courses that, that are approved. So let's say in my school, um, we just added marine science. Um, it wasn't approved until I submitted it to the um, NCAA for it to be an approved science. So a lot of times we do have kids who aren't taking like lab sciences and stuff like that. So just being aware as their coach to make sure that they're in a lab science, the courses have been approved through the NCAA. Um, so a kid isn't graduating, they're like, oh, well, I took the science, it's a lab science, why am I not eligible? Well, because the school never submitted it to the NCAA. Right. So, yeah, there is a portal on the NCAA website where guidance counselors, they have access to it as an athletic administrator. I had access to it, and I could see what the approved courses were because at the time I was at Keenan, we had a brand-new engineering program there. We had just started it um, in terms of being a magnet school. But some of the, uh, the courses that the kids were taking who were in the magnet program were not on the list of approved courses. So we had to go through, you know, doing the paperwork with the head of the guidance department to get those in so those kids could be eligible for NCAA. All right, um, and then talking with the parents. So uh, having the parents about what uh, degree, I'm telling the students this, because Coach Langford touched on this too, about enjoying the school for itself and getting uh, a, getting in a program where they have your actual degree. So every time a kid will come to me and they'll say, I get one every year, I wanna go to Florida State. Okay, all right, what do you wanna major in? I don't know. 
I was like, well, well, you know, and then it has to, I have to break it down even more. You know, what is your passion? What is something that you're good at? What's your best subject in school? What do you, you know, what are you really interested in? And then we'll go to, I'll sit them down at my computer and go and look it up. I was like, your major's not even on here. So why, like, why do you really want to go to Florida State? What is, I don't know, I just like your football team. But you don't even play football. Oh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, you know, it's just conversations. Right. I like the colors. I've gotten that too. I like the colors. Okay. You don't even know where the school is at. But, um, right. So, um, we have a, we have a conversation about that. I was like, do you, because there's some kids who want to go to a smaller school. Some kids who don't want to move out of South Carolina because they want to be within, you know, two hours of their mom and dad. Like I had a student, the one, she goes to App State now. And, um, that was one of her things. She didn't want to go too far away. Like, she wanted to be able, she's very close to her mom and dad and her sister, and she wanted to be within a car ride of them. So that was one of the big things for her. And that, I mean, I was like, that's okay. Um, I have another girl at uh, Queens University in Charlotte. She didn't want to be too far away. She liked the school because of the liberal arts aspect of it. That's why she wanted to go. She visited campus. She fell in love with it. We decided to pursue it. So she liked the school for what it was and what it means for her beyond while she's going to be running track there. All right. Um, and then I tell them to visit as many schools as they, they can to get an idea of what you like in a school. So fortunately in, in uh, Columbia, we have a lot of campuses that you could visit here in Columbia. All right, so um, I was like, look at Benedict, look at USC. Do you, do you like a campus that's spread out like USC? Or do you like a more you know, encompassed campus? Like what is it that you want in a school? So, um, so then we're talking about the 16 core courses. Okay, so what we mean by that, these are, this is like the biggest thing um, and making sure that they are eligible. We're gonna go over the components of what makes them eligible at each level, but the 16 core courses is no matter what. So they have to take four years of English, four years of math, which means algebra one or higher. In regards to math, um, one of the things that uh, I've found out is about the different types of math, and guidance counselors, again, you can chime in. Foundations um, is different from algebra, the algebra one, okay? So they used to have uh, like applied algebra one, part one, applied algebra one, part two. And we found out, um, this was pre-2020, but we found out when this uh, boy I used to coach got down to his senior, well, no, his junior year, that that didn't count as a two separate maths, it counted as one, one math. All right, so when I was at AC Flora, I always pulled my juniors in no matter what, whether they <clears throat> the slowest kid on my team or the fastest. Um, hey, we're gonna make sure that you're NCAA eligible because if you do get to the point where you do, we wanna make sure that we're prepared. So we brought that kid in and realized that we caught it early so that we could get him in a, in a um, private stats class in summer school so that he could meet that math credit before he went on, all right? And then, you know, that kid ended up, you know, actually going to college. But if we hadn't caught that, he might've got to his senior year and then not be eligible because he thought he was done with math. And we're like, no, you're not. All right, yes. So with the math, so you have four years on your slide. The handout you said that you gave us has three. Which one is it three or is it four or three? Um, I believe it was four. Um, but if the handout from NCA says three, then it's three. I also made this pre twenty twenty two. Okay. So that might. Well, yeah. So I think it was four. We need to yeah, you need four to graduate. Yeah. So they don't need math. math, math, math. <laughs> yeah. So this. Yeah. Math, math. I just tell them to always, because you need because you need four you to pass on to the next grade too. Yeah. Yeah. So. And just on on that foundations and intermediate, um, like um, Coach Parker was saying, um, you need to take both. 
like if they take like foundations and then they don't take the other part, it doesn't count as algebra. Correct. They need to take both of them for them to count as an algebra one correct. Right. Um, natural science or um, uh, physical science. Um, so I know that physical science is not uh, a lab science. So when it comes to graduation, even though as a, as a former science teacher, you, we did more labs in physical science than we did biology, but it's still not considered to be a lab science. So they do have to make sure that they take at least three lab sciences. I know that when we found out that when one of my kids took physical science first because of his previous school district, that physical science went to count as one of the additional courses. So he did meet the requirement. He, he took like four years of um, science, but physical science doesn't count as a lab, but it did end up counting as one of the additional uh, courses. So you can see additional English math. So if they take like an African American studies or something like that, it can count for that. Um, I try not to get, I mean, I know the athletes take a lot of PE classes, but I know for me, I look at their schedule and I'm, if I'm looking at their lacking academically with their core and you've got three weightlifting classes you need to get rid of one of those weightlifting classes and get another class that's going to make your resume uh, your uh well really your transcript is like your resume make it look better i just want to clear up uh kind of which uh, you guys are talking about so you see on that slide that she gave you three so she has four up here so you need three years of math but what she just described that additional year of English, math, or science is where that other core course comes into play. Does that make sense? So if you got somebody that's not been good at math or is hurting their core GPA to be a qualifier, you're only using three years of math and then in that additional spot of math, English, or science, then you don't have to use that fourth year of math in terms of being a qualifier for the NCAA. Right. I just want to make sure yeah. we didn't get too far down the road. Okay. And what I do, I, I made a, this is something I created, I made, I can tell you where your kid is based on core GPA and, and where they need to be. Hey, this kid needs to get a B out of this English class in order to have all of the core course requirements for NCAA. <coughs> I'll give it to you soon. Okay, tonight. great, thank you. And I, yeah, I love those resources. I take as many resources as I can, and I'll send out this resource. I, it wasn't one that was printed, but I thought that the printouts that was in there that came directly from the website were probably the most beneficial. All right. Um, all right, so this is another graphic. I believe it's included in there for um, D D1 and D2. Um, so they're talking about the 16 core courses, so it kind of breaks down what they should take in ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, and 12th grade. All right, now, with, uh, um, I know when I was in, in uh, school, I took Algebra 1 in 8th grade and I took English 1 in 8th grade. But I did end up still taking additional courses because I think at the time the rule was still you had to take four and so I got to my senior year and I was like well I've already taken English four and I've already taken all my maths and they were like well you have to take something else and my mom was not letting me go home so she was like you know you're gonna so I got in English 101 and now we have a lot of dual enrollment class at the time it was only that that was the dual enrollment class so I um I took English 101 and 102 and um and then I took province stats as my, my other math because I didn't have any other math to take but I had to take one so you want to make sure that your kids are not, they're like, oh, I got an easy schedule. I figured that out from when they come and tell me about their schedule. And they're like, oh, I got an easy schedule. I only got one class. No, no. We're going to go back down to guidance, and I'm going to call your mom. We're going to sign you up for another class, right? Because 
even I believe for the high school league, they still have to take at least two classes to be considered to be full time. So that wouldn't even make them eligible to run for your school. So you need to make sure that your kids are doing that. I, I looked at all of my kids' schedules, even for next semester, to make sure that they're not getting an easy schedule. You're going to get in something, all right? So, okay, big five, quick question. Um, so if they've taken high school credits in middle school, you're saying it has to be done in four years? You said, I'm this, sorry. The 16 has to be done in four years? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The English one and algebra one or whatever they took in middle school, it still counts. Yeah but it won't count as far as like them actually taking it in high school. So I would suggest them take like another English or another math, like province stats or something, you know, during so that. So they can't do enrollment in that 12th grade year? Hmm? You're talking about like add Yeah, yeah, they can't. Mm -hmm. Can they, oh, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. You sure? No, I was gonna say um, AP courses. Yes. Uh, some college credit and stuff. Look, if, if you guys can have those kids start college already with college <coughs> courses. What happens if they don't adjust the college the first semester? They're not behind. Or flip it. If you have a really good students, <coughs> let them graduate early and, and let Coop pay for their masters. You know? They don't look, I guarantee you he doesn't care whether they're a grad student or undergraduate student. If a student athlete can get an undergraduate and a master's paid for by this guy, it's a win-win. Yep. So don't hold them back early. Push them forward. Mm -hmm. Give them cushion. If they're going to fall, give them cushion to fall. Or let them excel. And, and that's what I was going to build on. Um, for example, not being my son, but um, he brought 26, 23 credits with him. Then he um, tested out of Latin his first semester at UNSC. So he basically had Yeah. Those senior years take AP courses. Um, you got uh, middle college, mm -hmm. Columbia with, you, with uh, middle tech, whatever. Take the, <coughs> take the test out. Yep. Take those AP courses. Get yeah. ahead of the game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we love to urge our kids to pay to take those AP courses because then they're also weighted higher in terms of their GPA, too. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's always a good thing. Did you go to summer school? Yeah. Oh, you did? I'm sorry. I said, are you going over summer school or you went over summer school? Not yet. Uh, well, I'll let you. I'll let you get that part. <laughs> All right, Division One um, academic requirements. So, in order to be a qualifier, again, they have to complete a total of the sixteen core courses in the appropriate areas. Ten of the sixteen must be completed before the start of their seventh semester. So that means their senior year. So, um, so they have to compete. They have to have completed those. I found that people skip over that part right there. There and and even when talking to some kids, like I know for me. My senior year was a very chill year for me because I had taken care of most of my stuff. Um, I, the only course I needed to graduate was government econ. Everything else was electives and that English that I had to take. And so, um, but I see a lot of mine coming, oh, I was just getting my senior year. So they're, they're fluffing the rest of the way and then thinking they're gonna hammer it down the senior year, but they've not met the, at least the 10 of the 16 needed by the start of their senior year, so it messes them up. Um, seven of the ten courses must be English, math, natural science, or um, math or natural or physical science. All right, so I say that because um, we got kids still that look on their schedule. They got all these PEs, 
you know, and that, and I like to say that with athletes because they love to get in a PE class because they're athletes, right? They get to be active all day. But um, that's a red flag if they haven't, you got to make sure, especially, you know, your kids, you know, your clientele. So you want to make sure that you check that out and heart that with the parents. Um, so this is a, a, or earn a corresponding test score that matches with your core GPA. So that's not even a thing anymore, right? So that's one of the things that, uh, that changed uh, in 2020 was that there was like a sliding scale that matched up with your GPA and things like that. And now there's no longer a, um, a qualifying test that's needed for eligibility. But I like to say when my kids came to me, when they made that rule, and they're like, I don't have to take the ACT anymore. Yeah, you might still want to take it because... Um, the school that you're getting admitted to still might require that as a component of, you know, getting admitted, okay? Also, we figured out that when I was talking with this boy to try to get him at pain, when he got into pain, he found out he got an extra two grand because of his ACT score. The, the test he didn't want to take, but he took it and made a good enough score on it to where the school gave him an extra $2,000 a semester that he didn't bank on. I was going to take it back If they know the school doesn't take it, they don't want to do it. But a lot of times, the college that they go to um, for like academic-based needs, they need those tests in in order to get those scholarships. So when you have a student that says they want to go to like USC, you need to check and see um, are test scores required to get an academic scholarship? Um, because then you can tell your athlete, well, hey, you need to take this before the end of the semester because they're going to look at that as far as giving you academic aid. Too. So Correct. that's a good thing to look at, even though NCAA-wise, they may not need the test scores, but they're missing out on some fun out Right. Oh, hmm? then the back baby back on what you just said. Um, also, there's a, I can't remember if it was done, but it's African-American, if this child has to be African-American, um, African-American generic program that gives, that gives great Alabama gave him a full ride plus three years of housing and a stipend. Um, he didn't go there, but and, uh, it was it uh, University of Miami gave him fifty uh, yeah fifty thousand dollars uh, each year, but it cost seventy thousand. He didn't go there either. Mm -hmm. But the African American uh, merit program, a lot of the merit programs, um, USC ended up with a provost scholarship, the dean scholarship, and courts and life and both. Yeah. Yep. And the life, I feel like the life at some point should have given way more because the, the, the money. Yeah, and so I, I, I mean, I got five grand and that was in 2005. Like, it should have, it should have gone up by now. Like, that's what I think. Yeah. And it's Yeah, and what I'm saying is, is the cost of college now, like, I we used to get five, and I'm like, by now, it should have been way more than that. You know? Um, it should be at least, at least, at least, at least. And the lottery make a big money. Right, right. <laughs> All right, so initial eligibility. So for Division One, um, they have to do the, uh, of course, this, have your core progression, 10-7, um, so 10 before the seventh semester, uh, 16 core courses, and then a 2.3 GPA or higher, and proof of graduation. Now, note on this slide that the, the um, SAT, ACT score is not there. They just have to have that. 
all right? But again, the biggest thing that I've seen that trips them up are these two right here, the core progression, core course progression. And that's just, again, having these conversations with your athlete, also having the conversation with the parents. For uh, when I was at Sumter last two years, um, as the head coach, I, during my parent meeting, that's when I went over this uh, presentation, these same handouts that you got, I gave them in the packet with the schedule and stuff. I just snuck it right on in there. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So while I got you here, you know, cause I had the majority of my parents in one space so I could talk to them about it. And I, you know, I, I made the door open to say, Hey, you know about this. If you have more questions, send me emails. And I did have more parents talk to me about it and stuff like that because I did it while I had them all in one place, at least putting the bug in their ear so that they have it in their mind so they don't get to senior year and say, oh, well, nobody ever had a conversation. Nobody ever told me. I say it every single year. And I know I sound like a broken record when I tell them, but I, they, they won't leave not knowing that I didn't give them the information. Um, for Division two, uh, same thing, 16 core courses, same thing with the, the course progression, and uh, but the 2.2 GPA or higher and proof of graduation. Early qualifiers, like we have um, uh, our uh, quarterback here is going to be leaving. He's already signed and he's committed to NC State. And he's going to be leaving in December next year, which will be his senior year. So he's an early qualifier. Super smart kid, super great kid. But he's he did everything he needed to do so that he can leave in December and go to NC State. So he'd be considered an early qualifier because um, he's done all his stuff. It's, it happens three, seven semester, 14 core course unit. He uh, For D1, it's a three-point GPA or higher, and for D2, it is uh, 2.5 or higher. And we're talking about core, not overall. You mentioned commitment. Uh, this might take us to the left a little bit, but can you expound on when kids commit, whether it's signed or verbal, how does that work? I'm going to let the uh, um, college coaches answer that. Can you get out of them if you sign the whole nuance, the whole so if you signed a, a NLI, National Letter of Intent, that's a binding contract between you, the NCAA, and the institution. It's not with you the, and Coach Coop, because if they decide they don't like Coach Coop no more, you're still stuck with the school. Now, there are some, some stipulations like a, a head coaching change that there's some wiggle room, or if you decide, hey, I made a mistake, um, and they, it's at the school's discretion to let you out of that NLI. But once you sign that NLI, that's a binding contract. Um, you can break it, but then you got to sit a year in residence wherever you go. Um, in terms of, you, you'll see a lot of uh, students that'll say, oh, I committed to such and such, but they didn't sign a national letter of intent. If they just signed a grant and aid, which just kind of gives you money, but it didn't accompany a national letter of intent, and you can you can break the grant and aid all day. You can't break the, the national letter of intent. Um, and then you'll see. that grant and aid? What is that? So grant and aid. So national letter of intent is the contract right. with you, the NCAA, and the institution. Yeah. It has to accompany a grant and aid. Grant and aid gives you the money. Right. Can't send the NLI without the money. But you can send the money without the NLI. You what do you commit without? So if, if you commit with no funding, that's just you saying, hey, I'm going to Blackwood. Okay. Let's do it. Okay? I mean, I'd had people say, you know, blessed to receive an offer from the University of Oklahoma. I don't even know who the kid was. And they put it on social media. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll find out in the fall. <laughs> that, that part don't matter. 
I mean, they can, but then you'll see them uh, in this increasing now where you see social media, they'll post all their visits and what's the receiver find it, then it'll say hashtag not committed. So the other schools know that I'm still open for recruiting. Then you'll see them, they, I don't know, it's, it's somebody that's doing all the graphics when they do their commitment process. Boy, that, and I hear it's a young guy, he's, he's making money hand over fist doing all these videos about their commitments. But every college coach knows their compliance office can call the NCAA or just get online and be like, no, there's no valid NLI on file. So if there's no NLI on file, you can call that kid all day long. Once they share, once they tell you that there's an NLI on file, or the kid tell you they signed the NLI, recruiting stops. And lastly, um, these like in schools they're doing big ceremonies or whatever, and, mm -hmm. and you know then you got other kids who may not either committed or had the opportunity to commit, and kind of put, puts a little pressure on them, or they feel some kind of way, or whatever. The psychology and not Canceling that kid or not doing it. I think about the, the I know professionally, y'all, it's a business, but I think about the child holistically. Mm -hmm. Whether that child, because I don't know <coughs> if I'm building that child, I don't know if something I say or do while he's not progressing or progressing later in life when he's an adult, whether it helped him with his family, whether it helped him with his, uh, his business, corporate decision making, or whatever. Yeah, that, that that's all. That's completely up to the the signing party, all of that stuff. That's between high school, the kids, and all that stuff. The, the, we can't be at the sign. It's against the rules. So I'm not going to show up to your high school to sit there while you actually sign. And the national letter of intent cannot be hand delivered. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that it cannot be. But having a sign like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma University. You can do whatever you want to. Knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so this is kind of, we're going back to the 10-7 rule. So that just explicitly says it again. means you, you got to complete 10 of the required 16 before your seventh semester or your senior year of high school. Um, I put this in here as a, a, a did you know, like 75% of college athletes typically meet the NCAA minimums, but just because you're not a good student doesn't mean you're a guaranteed academic eligibility. So that goes back to making sure you're compliant with keeping the courses you know, on track the way you need to. Because some of my kids would come to me and say, well, I have a 3.7. Yeah, but you didn't do 10 of the required 16 courses when you needed to. So that's what makes you. So, Weightlifting. Um, yeah, and taking three weightlifting classes. So um, so yeah, so I, I, I like to keep telling the kids and I, urge the parents as much as I can to be part of the IGP process. I know um, my daughter's 12 years old. She's about to be 13. I know when she gets to high school, I'm going to be there at everyone. I don't care if you got to call me in, like, because I need to know. My mom did it for me, so I know that that, that helped having an advocate in there and um, speaking and asking questions that you need to with the guidance counselors. All right, so some frequently asked questions um, that I get a lot of times. Um, do I need to take standardized tests? That's the big one. Do I need to take standardized tests? the ACT or the SAT to be eligible for a scholarship? The short answer is no um, in terms of NCAA. But what I'm talking about is still, we talked about at the beginning that many colleges still require standardized tests to be admitted to the school, period. 
okay so it's still a good idea for them to take act sat all right either one all right um and again like i spoke about my athlete like he got an additional two grand just for his score that he didn't even want to take the test to begin with all right um how will courses completed uh via distance e-learning or hybrid options be evaluated for students who initially roll full-time for the 2023 uh, 2024 oh well, 2024 uh, academic year um and beyond so um during yes go ahead uh, another thing about the um sat act is um you said you had an early grad um, a lot of times if you graduate not at the end of may um those early grads can't use their um class rank for the life scholarship. Right. Um, so the, they need to take the SAT and the ACT in order to get that life scholarship when they graduate. Because that's one of the qualifying components. Yep. yep. Mm -hmm. um, so with uh, the courses that are completed via distance e-learning, um, the Eligibility Center will require a program review for all courses completed via distance e-learning or hybrid programs on or after September 1st of 2023. Anything before that um, was fine, but if they after that date, that that's when they'll go under review. Okay, and so they just basically look at it to see whether it's valid or not. All right, um, this is a fact that I like to tell a lot of my kids. That said, only about two percent of high school student athletes are awarded athletic scholarships to compete in college. You're talking about across the board. All right, you're talking about across all sports too. I think that our kids see kids at their school getting you know, um, scholarships, like at Ridgeview, you're looking at Gigi. I got Gigi Jackson, one of the best athletes that's come through South Carolina. He got a scholarship, why can't I? You're not Gigi, so that's one, all right? So that's one, but I mean, I don't think they understand it because they see it so much. They see, you know, the Ariana's getting scholarships to go to Iowa. They, they're seeing, you know, him getting scholarships. So they think that that's something that, oh, everybody can get it, no. It's a very small percentage chance. So whether you're competing on the Division One, Division Two level, or any level, that you're part of the two percent that's doing that, and that's not afforded to everybody. Um, on in one of those handouts, I also have a registration checklist uh, of things that they need to do with, um, and it has it. Uh, there's one one graphic. I don't know if I put it in there, but I have it in my classroom. Um, of what that what you need to do by ninth grade, what you need to do by tenth grade, what you need to do by eleventh, what you need to do by, by twelfth. It's very simple. So I give those to the kids, and I'm like, hey, all right, you're in ninth grade. Let's look at the ninth grade checklist. Do you even have it? You can make an NCAA profile right now. Okay, you can become familiar with it. Um, as guidance counselors, I know they preach it a lot. We preach it a lot that when they enter their ninth grade year, that they need to establish a good GPA and good work ethics. Then they try to, and I see it all the time. They try to. Um, pick it back up senior year and I'm like senior year is really too late like it's too late you should you shouldn't be doing all this work senior year like um, but that's the concept they're like they want to they get mature so they start to realize it but freshman year is hard to knock that point home I, I don't know if you mentioned this already but I saw we had on the ACT SAT I was just going to say uh, there's no problem starting or having your athletes test for 8th mm -hmm. grade ninth, every year They get better and better and better, and then they get used to taking those standardized tests. Correct. And, that, um, I know I took the SAT pre, what, what is it called? Yeah. PSAT? Yeah, yeah. yeah, in seventh grade, and then I took it again in like ninth grade or something like that. But, um, but yeah, it does get them used to the testing environment. Big part on the eligibility center, it acts for like all amateur uh, events that your child has competed in. Is it necessary to put all those events? 
I was about to say, I don't, when I host the kids, I don't really know <laughs> putting all of that in. Amateur, I didn't put, I think they just asked if you, like, have you, like, accepted money for something or not? Yeah. But you don't have to put, like, all the track music. Well, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't like club coaches. Well, yeah, I'll just put like the club yeah, team yeah. or something like that. Yeah, for like club meets that your child participated in. Like, Normally, I do it for the sport. Me personally, when my kids do it, like my kids did like gymnastics, they did like all this other stuff, like six other different sports. Um, but they didn't track. I'll put like the track clubs that they ran for. But I won't necessarily right. put they did like gymnastics, they did soccer, they did. So when they um, you know where it asked for all. Unless of it was for the school. What I did. Mind. I just put the national championships you did. Okay. Yeah. That's all I did. I didn't do like all the meets. Looking right. at the schedule. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I don't want to read all that. I was going to say that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, make sure that your kids have a basic valid email, which they they I tell them use their school email if they want to, but um, but I rather them use their personal email if they have one. That way they can have access to it later. And then all the basic uh, information, again, sports history. And then to get it, the basic profile is free, but to get the other one it, and register and everything uh, for certification in terms of being Division One or Division Two, it's at $90. It could have increased since then. I know when I was in school, it was 30 and I had to write a check. And I had a checkbook <laughs> that, I, that I sent it off in. Um, yeah, so. And I tell the kids that the NCAA is big. You might see them on social media. We have, and I'm going to get to that part where they have the uh, social media profile and how to set it up. Um, it's good to know their NCAA number, um, so that their ID number, so that when, especially when they're junior and senior year, when coaches are really calling them and getting in contact with them, I was like, that's one of the first questions they're going to ask you. They're going to ask that, um, especially if they're super interested in you. And I give them the social media so they can see it. I know Instagram posts a lot of things and graphics that's very student friendly that breaks it down in bullet points. You know, they're not reading paragraphs of information. They're gonna look at the bullet points and the highlighted stuff. And they break it down really good in terms of the graphics of what they should be doing by 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th grade year and things like that. Coach Brown. Yes. To, to throw a hand grenade out there, another option um, also under the NCAA, which can still go into the athletic system, West Point, um, uh, Air Force Academy, mm -hmm. those appointments are also um, great options. Yeah, for sure. I had one of my, my one of my first athletes, she went to West Point. Um, she graduated salutatorian and went on to West Point and had like the best time there. So I know, and was like, I don't know if y'all seen that picture of all the black women that were, that graduated. She's in, and she's in that picture. So yeah. Um, so this is another thing I talk about with, and I think coaches touched on this before, about um, communicating with their coaches. So some kids come to me and they say, Coach, be honest, what answer, what, what, what place do you think that I best fit at? And I, I'm gonna tell them, you know, based off your times, this is what I can see that you're doing. And it's not to demoralize the kid, or it's not to say, but I mean, if you're running 11-1 as a boy, you're not going to run at Oklahoma. Exactly. You're just not. Okay. All right. So, um, you know, just communicating and being honest with them. So that's why I tell the kids. And again, this is a presentation that I kind of show the kids talking with them about what level they'll be successful on, asking what they should get better at, be open to constructive criticism. Um, 
and asking about what camps you attend. And I'm, I'm talking to basketball players too, so when we're, we're talking about camps, that's what I mean by that. But there are a lot of track camps that I think that are pretty good too. Um, and then sending questionnaires. I know almost on every website that has, um, and I think now there's a one that's just, it goes to any schools or something like that. It's like a universal one. Like you sign up for an account. Yeah, I think that one. But, but, um, but I, but I also tell them to get in the habit of personally emailing the coaches. You know, go as a, they have a directory on every site. You just got to be patient and look. And um, email the coach directly. Include your link. We even go over email formats, how you should greet. I mean, this is basic stuff. I go over them regardless because they don't even know how to email teachers. I can show you the email right now. Like, did you put my grade in? Well, first of all, good morning. <laughs> even at the next level, your college coaches will tell you the importance of like, emailing them correctly, too. Yeah. That sets the tone. It's like yeah, a, it's, it's like a reading. Yeah. Yeah. As far as recruiting tools goes, um, have you heard of the website runcrew.com? You said what? Run, have you heard of the website runcrew.com? Runcrew? Runcrew. Mm -hmm. So it, it's not, it's, uh, you can put in your time, at, your times that, uh, that you ran, your, whatever year you ran in, and it supposed, it's supposed to be able to like, kind of like match you up with schools that you can either qualify as a tryout or recruit or pull. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I didn't know if anyone's heard of that website and like how that might play into like picking a school yeah. in the recruiting process. Like I don't I know if anyone's heard of that and like it's a useful tool. Yeah. The Common App is what I was thinking. Common App? Oh, the Academic to, Common Market. To, to apply for the schools. And yeah, there's one for HBCUs too. They've extended all the HBCUs because yeah. we got um, God, a couple of Yeah. But I'm, I have to look into that one. Okay. I've never heard. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you about it. Okay. What's the name of that one? Run crew. Run crew. Yeah, R U N C R U I T. Yeah, it's a good one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's just more for um, the collegiate coaches. What, what's, what do y'all say is better? Like for them to do that questionnaire or just directly like email y'all? Both. Like the questionnaire. <laughs> 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 like, like, do y'all actually like when they fill out the questionnaire, like y'all look at them or is it more of just y'all just gonna reach out to the athletes y'all want? Like, All right. I ain't going to put them on the spot because I don't coach in college no more. Uh, but I can tell you, I ain't looking at the questionnaires. I didn't. Um, but, you know, every so often you you catch some that will pop through. Like, oh, man, this kid was actually good. Okay. You go back and you, and you, and you find them. Um, emails, if, if it's too wordy and you don't provide substance of time, <clears throat> events, personal records, mm -hmm. I, I don't need a, a huge introduction or paragraph about you, and you didn't even tell me what you, what time you run. And your story. Delete. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, I recruit, you know, I sent you, I sent you an email. Yeah, what'd you say? <coughs> you said a lot, but you didn't say nothing, because, I mean, I got this amount of time before I move on to the next one. I use a 10% rule. I'm going to send out hundred inquiries or look at a hundred kids out of those ten of those I like out of those ten percent which is one of them I'm actually land to get a team my roster was 108 how many kids I gotta look at to get 108 people Thousand eight. <laughs> do I have time to read your non-paragraph dissertation to get you your time right. no no correct yeah yeah so, I mean, that's, that's, like I said, that's just me being real. I, I, like I said, I ain't going to make them say, oh, I don't read your stuff. 
I'm one of y'all now. I, I'm working on the high school level. Uh, okay. Like I said, I mean, I, I, I do read emails, but like I said, you know, the ones where it's this long introduction, you pretty much end up scrolling down, trying to see what the kid actually does, you know. Um, and then that, that time allotment that you kind of set aside, because like I said, particularly as, as, as a head coach, um, it's one thing after another all day, and you got to try to set time aside to actually go through emails and respond. And sometimes it's, it's way, if, it, if, it, if, if the performance or it's an event area that you really, you know, you're really okay in, you really, you know, can't afford to spend any more money in, um, you know, uh, you wait to see how persistent the kid is. So if I receive a follow-up email from the kid, and it's like, okay, they're serious about, you know, South Carolina State being interested, you know, and then I kind of follow up. Because like I said, it, it is a, a large number, and I know, I mean, being in Oklahoma is probably even more than some of the smaller schools, uh, you know, but uh, I know with questionnaires, uh, we tend to compile them and kind of go through them, um, you know, we sit down, sit around as a staff and kind of go through them, and like I said, it's, it's based on, you know, the current needs right now, uh, what we can do with our program within our conference right now, because we're trying to progress because the only way we're going to get interest from your better kid is if the program looks better, you know, you know so we, we have to get there, and it's a starting point. Uh, as far as the numbers, I, when I took over the program uh, last year, uh, I mean, we were, I was, I was barring basketball girls, volleyball girls trying to make a 14-member squad, you know, uh, so we were 100% open to well, who's interested, yeah. you know, so our roster size now is 40 <coughs> men, 40 women, you know, that, that one year. That's not included because we had some adjustments in our uh, administration compliance-wise and, and, and AD. A lot of the individuals that decided to go ahead and come to walk on hasn't transitioned to the roster yet. So we got about 20, 25 kids that are at South Carolina State because I responded to them, I give them opportunity. So, uh, with me and my programs, uh, it, it was the same way at Bethune-Cookman. Uh, I'm a big proponent of creating and providing opportunity, you know, uh, and, and seeing who want to stick with it. But like I said, what makes it harder now is the NCAA put these APR stipulations, you know, when you want to help a kid out financially, but because it can hamper the entire program, <coughs> I take a chance on you and I get burned. Not that you're a bad kid, it's just that, man, you, you should have turned in those two assignments. Right. <laughs> I help you out even more. Hey, I want to help you out financially. I'm going to yeah. give you $1,000. Yeah. School costs 20 in state. Yeah, yeah, 20 And you can't afford school. And you leave and go home because you couldn't afford school. You just got an APR hit because he wasn't retained. Now, number two, look, I don't even work there no more. I still get the emails. Coach, how many unread emails I got right there? Tell them. 892 unread emails on a, on a school. I don't even work there, but my email's still active. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Look, how many text messages I got? 275 unread text messages. So what I'm, what I'm saying is set yourself up for success 
lead in the subject line, if you know your kid is good, 1049 100 meter runner in the subject line. Get, oh, that's a kid that can help. Yeah. Don't bury it in, in don't, don't bury the lead. Throw it up top. It's in the subject line. It's the first thing I say, oh, this is one day. This is what I need to do. If I'm a head coach, you know the first thing I do if it's the event that I don't coach, forward it to my jumps coach. Hey, we need this one. Simple. That's how you get to the top. Yeah. All right, I'm going to wrap it up because I know y'all are hungry. Okay, so um, I talked to the kids about proper development and navigation, talking about skill sets and make sure we master it. I know coach. Um, Rachel talked about the basics and um, when my time, I mean I agreed with everything everything she said because literally you have to keep it basic for them I think yeah. they think it's some magic bullet some magic workout and it's not it's boring basics like it's gonna take you to get to the next level Especially and developing general strength and making the weight room your best friend um, we're in the process now here originally Northeast of trying to Sports specialize our weightlifting program. Um, we got people in place now that can actually do that. Um, so that's what we're working on now because we see that is a, a deficit across the board, girls or boys, but more on the girls' side. Um, and uh, like I said, Coach talked about it, doing your research. Again, athletic participation is only part of the college choice. So when you're navigating your kids through this, ask them questions. You gotta keep probing, asking them questions about what type of school they want, what's their major, what interests them, what track do they wanna go down, how far are you comfortable with being away from family, how often do you wanna come back home, all of those things, find out the requirements of the school that are interested, because some of them have, you know, Harvard standards, but they're not, then you don't have Harvard grades, and you don't have the things on there, your transcript to view that. Research the athletes on the team, what are their stats? That, how many of them are there in that position? So we were talking about, this is kind of for all sports, but look at how many sprinters, they're, they're sprinter heavy and they're running good and you know, you're not really falling in that line, that might not be, they, they might be strong in that area already. So like Coach was saying, like that, they, they allot money for what they need in order to win conference. Um, if you if they're overpopulated in that area or they got it, then that might not be they're they're not gonna be willing to give you money unless you run amazing times. All right. Um and visit again, visiting in many schools you can to compare the likes and dislikes of what you like. You may have like uh USC being such a, a open campus and you gotta go from over here over here, you might want a more close knit campus. So think about that. So some kids don't visit schools and I urge them to. Um, social media is a big thing and um, I look at it like a, a tool I use it really as a tool for for marketing myself marketing my brand marketing my kids um, I've gotten uh, my 610 I had a 610 high jumper jumped that in his sophomore year and I posted his video and I got a DM right away he went and signed to that school and she said she would have never saw him if I hadn't posted the video Okay, so um, sent, had, had all his information ready, had his GPA, class rank, all of that stuff. Um, and I emailed coaches. I emailed coaches and I put in the subject line, 610 high jumper, right, um, male. And, uh, and every, I've, I've sent it to every ACC, every SEC, every HBCU coach that was on the East Coast because he said he wouldn't mind being on the East Coast. <clears throat> so sent it to all of them. And I, I think about 95% of them replied back to me, which I, I was like, oh, Duke had time for me today? 
cool. You know, so, um, so yeah. And I tell them how to set it up. Um, this was a, a person who I found and I was like, I like your site. Can I use your screenshot of this? So she puts, you know, states her name. That's one of the biggest things I tell them. I was like, put your name. Don't put some nickname or whatever. Like, put your name. Too fast um, for track. Right, right. You know? I get um, money, yo. Yeah. Right. I said, this is like your resume. It's a digital footprint. You know, clearly state what your, um, what your event is, what your um, sport is, uh, what relays you run. She put the relays. She put her GPA. She put what class she's in. Um, she even put a regional qualifier. So that's like a, a theme. She want to put a national qualifier or whatever. Um, she has her clear picture, some an event or, you know, her team or whatever. I was like, just be cognizant of what you put out online, what you're retweeting, what you're liking, things like that. Um, I, told, I, I did a Twitter poll, and I, I found out that a lot, and I did this back in 2020 when everybody was just sitting home. But um, I found out that a lot of uh, sports or a lot of coaches in the sport across the board use social media as a marketing tool and look for kids on there too. Um, and some kids, some coaches were more inclined to reply back to me on Twitter than they were email. I had emailed some of them same coaches and they replied back to me on Twitter. And I'm like, well, I sent you an email like a month ago. But, but, you, but they did. Exactly. <laughs> and, and, right. They didn't make it down the list, but they saw that. So I was able to communicate with them. And again, like, like coach said, and I tell them to keep it short and to the point, right? You know, list up name, date, this is, you know, whatever, link. Okay, put your mom's split link, put that so that they can go and see. Don't just write it down, put the link where they can go actually, and, they, and you can see your progression. Um, one yeah. of the things I did, I tell my athletes to do, is put their NCAA ID number in that Correct. section. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's make it easier for coaches. Right. Mm -hmm. um, um, when, well, I had an athlete, well, he was one of our track athletes, but he was a football athlete. I'm guessing football coaches didn't go back and check their profiles because he had. Right. Okay. So because my name is Miranda, M-I-R-O-N-D-A, and a lot of people say Miranda. And in my split, for the longest time, I was listed as Miranda Scott. I only have one stat. You, if you look it up, it's like I only ran at one meet because <laughs> it has, there was only one meet where it had my real name. And my other name, like, I was like, well, why is, it, uh, why is it only popping up? And I figured out that my coach had put me in as Miranda instead of Miranda, so my name was spelled wrong. But, um, but yeah, so that, that is a big point, and that's up to the coach. And I know I think I emailed my split, and I was able to get it changed years later. Like, it didn't matter then, but still. And also, right quick, with, with, that, with that eligibility center, I, did, uh, you know, I know I have access, most schools, some schools don't, but to the IRL, the institutional request list. So once we put that ID number in there, we get everything. You know, so a lot of times when it's, it's frustrating when a kid emails you and Looking, trying to find, you know, an IRL and they, they haven't even registered at the business center or they haven't paid the fee, Correct. you know, and you, sometimes you get overlooked because we move on to, like I said, the next season. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, well, the previous slide is, I'm not going to go over that, but it's just a, um, 
Uh, I had, this was one of my athletes. He was Denzel Washington. He was at Clemson, two-time NCAA Division One um, champion, national champion. But he ran track with me one year. Okay, one year I had to beg him to come out, um, and uh, it was track was kind of the reason why Clemson went ahead and went with him because he um, he got faster at the, like some December camp. I got him to work out with me, and they they shared with me at the times. I was like, look, this is what we got to do. I said, I, I just need you to do this, okay? So we're gonna work on your form, work on this. He went back. They gave they they gave they took a chance on him, and the wide receivers coach called me back and was like, look. You got them faster. That's what we needed. And so um, I, I say that to kids because I'm like, you can use track as a vehicle. I, I was like, you can't use it as, okay, I'm going to just use track to get on the football team. I don't tell them to do that. But I do tell them that they can have a good time with running track and learning how to compete, and it transcends to other sports. So that's how I appeal to getting multi-sport athletes to get involved in our sport. And then sometimes I have kids that – they love our sport so much they abandon the other sport, but not by me doing. They just fall in love with it because they never knew it could be this fun to compete. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I, um, I wanted to add on to um, the social media piece and also what Coach was saying. Um, and I, I don't know if anybody's covered it, but the more follow, first of all, we're talking about personality, right? And then the more followers you have as an athlete and the following <coughs> of your posts, your content, NIL deals, mm -hmm. love that. Right. Yeah. Marketability. Marketability is big. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this is uh. Um. I'm on Twitter at ed educator. Okay. <laughs> educator. <laughs> educator MNS. Um. And pretty active on there. I retweet any kid, any South Carolina kid. Um. I even advocate for other kids that I don't don't uh, coach. So if um a, a college coach calls me and asks me about something, I don't have it, but I can tell you who do. You know, and I'll send them their information. I'm about, you know, putting kids in the best possible position, whether they run for me, jump for me, or whatever, or not. Um, so that's what, but, and that's my uh, background, which I already shared with you. And my, this is my personal email address. If you need me to, um, if you need to email or ask me anything, I will send out this presentation that you can share the exact same presentation with your kids. Um, so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I'm going to make some changes to make it 2023. Um, and take some out uh, some of those pre 2020 things. But are there any questions <coughs> for me, or any of the coaches, or any of the guidance counselors that help me? All right. So we're gonna we got lunch for you that is sponsored by Booster Fundraising. Um, there is from Heavenly Ham. Um, we have ham, turkey, and chicken salad. Okay. So um, y'all can be really happy to help yourselves. <laughs> Thank you. Those who appreciate the coach, the ones who point people most. Every season needs a voice of reason, speaking the growth. Got a prep for you, carry the load. It's coffee to the soul for those of us who stay on the go. Pop a hand off and stay in the zone. What you packing for the road? There's more than one way to the go. Take notes, that's paying your toll. It ain't practice if your purpose ain't clear. It can't happen till you listen with both ears. You can't mentor without a mentor's years of experience. You can reinvent those years. Every plan's got a standard to live up to. Enterprise sacrifice, can you give up you? It's a choice and a fight. Not a win or lose It's not a ploy but advice so y'all can make more moves It's not about how to, it's all about why You don't know till you know who you are inside 
six million ways to tie Choose none until we all cross the finish line The work ain't done So we learn from the experts We all gotta put in the legwork Guild Athletics is a network It's all about connections Put together for the profession To every track coach could be the blessing